Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Google Play, or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. If you like the Stitcher app, you can find it there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talked about on today's episode. Any thoughts, questions, recommendations, my email's public. It's out there. Josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you when I can. Have I reminded you recently that submissions are open for this year's Philly Sketch Fest? Or that I've made it easy for you to go to myfirstsketch.com slash apply and get right to the submission form? Or that our live shows will take place between May 30th and June 2nd? Or that you can submit your short film or video sketch at myfirstsketch.com slash film? Or if you want to volunteer and help us out during the festival, you can by going to myfirstsketch.com slash volunteer. Head to phillysketchfest.com, follow along on Twitter or Instagram, and like on Facebook to stay in the loop because Philly Sketchfest, the funniest weekend in Philadelphia, hey, I just made that up, will be here before you know it. I'm continuing my series highlighting performers at next month's Toronto Sketchfest, and we head back to Edmonton, Alberta to talk to today's guest, Kaylee Suliak, currently a member of Girl Brain. Her first sketch is actually a monologue called The Weeping Vag. There's certainly a visual aspect to this sketch, but the narration provided by Kaylee will absolutely provide the picture you need to see in your head. So let's get to the sketch. This time on The Weeping Vag, we examine the curious tale of the shortened run. It began on a day unlike most others. After a harrowing eight months of winter misery, the sun was shining, and residents were hauling their pasty carcasses out of doors, attempting an activity called exercise, chasing after the ever-elusive summer body. She was no different sausaging herself into yoga pants that had fit a year ago, and donning a brand new sports bra she had purchased a size too small for extra motivation. Back fat and camel toe on display for the world to see, she stole a glance in the mirror and promptly took a swig from the warm bottle of Pinot Grigio left on her counter from the night before. Armed with liquid courage, She joined the battalion of other fitness warriors with absolutely unreasonable goals. In her case, running to the high-level bridge and back before she had to go to work. Thanks to a morning of procrastination brought on by a slight hangover, this did not leave much time, but she was determined. As she approached her first street corner, mildly out of breath already, the unthinkable occurred. The light turned red completely destroying her barely-established flow. In an attempt to keep moving, she began to jog on the spot, as she'd seen so many other skinny bitches do. Stress welled up inside her, as the light seemed to take forever in a day, but, given the green, she flew into the crosswalk, willing her inner gazelle to propel her to her destination. Her inner gazelle, however, 
appeared to be buried beneath a season of hibernation and delivery pizza, and she felt more like a buffalo trying to stand on its hind legs. With time ticking down on the clock, she pushed her lumbering gums to the limit and felt an unexpected quantity of perspiration streaming down her face, thus ruining her foundation. She reminded herself that sweat was just fat crying, as she dabbed some drops from her brow, noticeably smearing her eyeliner all over her right cheek. With every clumsy stride, time charged forth, and the high-level bridge did not appear to be getting any closer. As the salty beads further ruined her makeup artistry, she damned the friends she drank with last night. She vexed the traffic lights that cost her precious seconds at the intersection and railed at the high-level bridge for being so fucking far away. Slowly, she realized she would not have enough time to reach it and render her bazaars presentable to serve the public. She turned back, convinced that her spare tire would surely never hit the road. As she loped home, beat red and drenched, she could not shake the lump in her throat. All she wanted was to go for a mid-length job on this rare, gorgeous day, but now she'd have to cut it short and redo her makeup from scratch. Ah! The mere thought of this prospect was enough to challenge her composer. While the lump in her throat tripled in size, emotional hell broke loose as she was once again made to stop at the stupid traffic light. Now it was not just her fat but she herself was ugly crying on the street corner. Tears washed what was left of her mascara into dark teenage goth-like pools under her eyes, but nothing mattered anymore. Her makeup was bound to look like it had been done by an ape, and her legs had failed her. She might as well just lie down on the pavement face first and drag herself home by her lips, because what difference would it make at this point anyways? As she clung to the lamppost for dear life, much as a drowning sea rat might cling to a mask of a sinking ship, she knew it was all for naught. She was doomed to serve food with puffy cry face and the remainder of delivery pizza around her midsection. At this moment, a grace from God descended upon her. There was a break in traffic. Checking both ways, wiping the snot from beneath her nose, choking on some of, it, some of it as she inhaled her sobs, she tentatively released her grip on the structure, gingerly stepping into the crosswalk, exhausted from her journey. Having reached the adjacent curb, she heard the familiar sound of a monster truck, certainly containing someone making up for a small dick. As she cast a wary glance in the direction of the unmuffled engine speeding towards her, she was met with the age-old remark, Smile, honey. You'll look better. And that concludes this episode of The Weeping Badge. Uh, hey, Kaylee. Hi, Josh. How's it going? Uh, so tell me about the Weeping Vag. Where did this idea come from? Although I'm fairly certain I know where this interview, that idea came from. Yeah. Um, basically, just a bunch of conversations about like dumb shit that girls cry over. Uh, and 
I had so many conversations with uh, girlfriends, coworkers, whatever, where we'd be sitting around being like, oh my gosh, what, like, I saw a Hallmark commercial or I saw a picture of a puppy and I just cried for no reason. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be a fun idea to do a kind of a narrated sketch? I mean, we're doing a podcast right now, but if you see it live, um, there's a girl acting out everything that's described. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just thought it would be so funny to make an epic story about the silliest, the silliest things that you cry over. And so it's a reoccurring sketch uh, in every one of our shows and different every time. Nice. And when was this written, roughly? Uh, the one that I just read, that was written in April. Because we've only been around since April. Um, so, yeah there's, oh, wow. yeah, there's a new one every month. Because... Every, oh, so you... So, Girl Brain started last April. Yeah. You still do a monthly show? Yeah, we do. Nice. Yeah, it's a monthly show at the Grindstone. We've got... Um, uh, well, I guess it was monthly... Up until a couple months ago, and we added a second show, which is exciting. Oh, okay. yeah. So now we're Fridays and Saturday nights. How does uh, Girl Brain start? Where? How do you all get together? Should I start at the beginning? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, once again, it was just, it was me and uh, my friend Ellie and Allison. Um, and we were sitting around one day and just exchanging stories about, dates and what it's like to be a girl and we were laughing and having a great time and we were like man what if we just put this on what if we put this on stage I bet it would be relatable to uh, a lot of girls certainly um were you all familiar with the stage beforehand yeah we were yeah uh Ellie and I went to theater school together and I won't hate myself by saying when uh but we went to theater school together. Um, Allison also is a very accomplished like actress and she helps to run a, a Shakespeare company here in Edmonton. Ooh. So yeah, we were all familiar with the stage, not necessarily uh, sketch writing. Cause we all come from, you know, a bit different mm-hmm. backgrounds, but yeah. So, I mean, we knew how that worked and we'd all done some writing before in the past as well. So, it seemed to make sense to, um, I don't know, venture out <laughs> into the world of sketch comedy based on like our own experiences. Yeah, to create this own outlet for yourselves and like. Yeah. As fulfilling as being an actress and performing other stuff on stage might be, sometimes creating your own work and doing it yourself is a whole different muscle to flex. Oh, and man, we're buff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was part of the reason that we decided to do this, too. Like, we kind of thought, you know, how fun would it be to just create our own stuff and have a chance to perform uh, every month instead of just waiting around for, you know, people to cast us in parts and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. Hey, Toronto, if you want to cast me in a part, please do it. Um, Vancouver too. Vancouver anywhere? 
I'll take anything. My standards are low. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. No, we just thought it would be super cool to kind of take that part of our lives and our passions into our own hand and uh, create something that we really enjoyed doing every month. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so did you do any like yeah. any like writing classes or anything that like a, a comedy theater might offer? No. Nope. None of us did writing courses. Okay. So why did you consider sketch comedy to be the correct uh, vehicle for this venture? Uh, I think just... That's a good question. Um, I think it's, like I said before, just stem mainly out of having conversations with your friends and thinking it's hilarious and being like, well, there's other people going through this, so we might as well just take these real life things and put them on stage and sketch comedy seems to be the best uh, venue for that, I suppose. Hmm. Um, and we're all, I'm biased, but I think we're all pretty funny people. <laughs> so it seemed not, it seemed natural actually. There was also a, um, a new theater opening up in Edmonton. Okay. Uh, called the Grindstone Theater. That's where we perform every month. And they're uh, specifically a comedy theater. And so they had nice. also kind of reached out and been like, if you have any ideas, then we'd love to give you a spot. And we were like, well, we yeah. actually do. The, the joy of we have stage time and we need to fill it. Yeah, so. the joy of we need to pay our bills. So do you guys want to help us do that? We were like, absolutely, because we want to pay our bills as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to theater school. Were you always like the actor artsy kid? Uh, not always. No, I think I was always a performer. Um, okay. I got offered. Well, I didn't, I, I didn't officially get offered a scholarship, but I was a big old soccer player before okay. I discovered theater. And I think, I don't know, maybe career-wise, bank account-wise, that would have been a smarter decision. Uh, And I had a soccer coach, I don't know, um, when I was in high school, they were like, you know, if you just focus on this, you can get a scholarship. And I know people that are scouting you out. And I was like, that's really cool. I'd rather act instead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so no I never really had like a vision in my head that this would what I would be doing but um this is what I'm doing and it's awesome okay so uh what were you into as a kid what made you laugh like what okay let's okay. Do, let's do it this way what was your earliest memory of comedy do you remember like that you can think of earliest memory of that's hmm. um uh, I always knew that I loved to laugh and I would find very strange. It, I just I knew that uh, laughing brought me joy. And then I guess my early I guess I don't know like remembering. I would probably say I was around twelve, and I figured out that Monty Python existed, and I kind of went, "Oh my gosh, these like this is hilarious." Hmm. I'm always curious because, like, I'm I'm relatively late to the the Monty Python like experience. Oh, right. I I, I might have been like 16 when I first saw Holy Grail, mm-hmm. and and I didn't get it. Like, really? Why not? 
I it just wasn't that type of comedy just wasn't in my head yet. Right. Okay. Like there were certain parts that were certainly funny during the the movie, but the ending almost infuriated me <laughs> when I first saw it. Uh, I've since come around and I totally understand it now, but like 16 year old Josh was just not ready for not ready for that <laughs> for Monty Python at all. Uh, and I was like, I'm always curious. Cause I mean, I guess there might be a, a different pipeline between Canada, like the Britain, Canada, like pop culture. Maybe. Because, cause I, and I know Monty Python aired here in America, but I feel like it was like a, a rare treat, like on our public t- like television stations. Every once in a while, just out of the blue moon, it would just show up. Yeah, it would just show. See, I never saw them uh, on TV or anything like that. I think I just. It could have been my dad that mentioned like, hey, there's this thing called Monty Python and it's really funny. And so I did the thing where I went to the library and rented a CD. Oh, so you actually went to like the albums first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the albums and then I went, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. And then I went to, I I don't know, like dry British comedy, I guess, speaks to me. Mm. And then I went to the video store and got permission from my parents to rent a a VHS and then later on a DVD of some of their recorded shows. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that kind of comedy just spoke to me. And I guess that's like where the weeping badge stems from as well. Yeah. You very much read it in a, it's like David Attenborough. Like with that, like uh highbrow Charles dance kind of like Shakespearean actor lilt to it. Yeah. Well, and I think that just makes it more ridiculous, right? Like having David Attenborough, not narrate the mating process of a monkey, but narrate the meltdown of a girl. But at the same time, it would just be the same kind of like nature film. Yeah, BBC's totally. Planet Earth city version, I guess. I don't know. Beast having a meltdown. <laughs> um, I ask whenever I talk to Canadians, and for whatever reason, I think my my uh, count of Edmontonian, I don't know what you get, mm-hmm. what you call yourselves. Oh, we call ourselves Edmontonians. Okay. We call ourselves hardcore. <laughs> uh, I've, I've talked to a couple people from Edmonton. And so I always am curious, is there something within Canadian pop culture that you would recommend to an American to hunt down? Specifically comedy, because it's obviously a comedy podcast. First thing that leaps to mind is Baroness von Sketch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're... They're awesome. They're based out of Toronto. Yeah, sketch comedy. Um, I think for a bit of an older audience, like I would say Girl Brain is for the 20-sums to 30-sums. And these women are absolutely brilliant. And they do the same sort of thing. Like I think they kind of pioneered um, sketch, like female sketch comedy in a way. I was about to say, they're certainly like one of the the only all female casts on a sketch show that I I know, and they're in North America at least. I know there's been a couple in Britain. Yeah, there's like uh, Smack the Pony, I think they're called. Yeah, Smack the Pony, which was another thing that I saw on a plane as like a 16 year old, 
And I was very confused by that as well. Like, so I was not a British comic person and much until much later in my life. Yeah. Uh, it was basically just Mr. Bean for my British stuff as a well, kid. Mr. Bean is great too, though. Like he got yeah. the physical comedy down so well. It's, it's so great. And I, I love that stuff. Just people looking dumb. Yeah. The, I, uh, it's, very clear when you don't when you don't talk to a comedy person like someone that's like really hardcore comedy fan when you explain that it's actually really smart to look that stupid right like it takes a lot of work to do that they're like what are you talking about like that, no it's not i was like, like yeah, yeah it is, it is. <laughs> um and i know i know Bar- baroness von sketch aired here in america but i think it's streaming and stuff i think it's it's really hard to hunt down netflix it's not on american netflix yet uh so i keep missing it we actually um got to work with carolyn taylor from baroness von sketch in january oh nice. yeah it was amazing she um we had a contact at the grindstone that had worked with her uh on second city um Mm -hmm. so he got in touch and he was like you need to come see these girls because they're like young Baroness Von Sketch. And so we started planning that in, um, oh gosh, in the summer. And yeah, everything finally kind of came to a head in January and she flew out and worked with us for, um, like worked with us, Girl Brain, for a day. Uh, she was in a couple, she was in a couple sketches. She gave us some pointers. She... Uh, thought of a little blackout sketch that uh, we did and performed with her as well. And then she held uh, like a sketch writing workshop the next day. So- nice. So how how was that experience? Because you mentioned that you didn't really do any like comedy writing courses to have someone come in and basically like work with you and like kind of mentor you for a day. It was amazing. Um, She gave us, she gave us a lot of really good pointers. Um, do you want to hear them? I'll take whatever. Yeah, let's. She said basically just fo- like focus on one thing. She was really brilliant and really open and just one of the like one of the best people. Uh, she didn't shoot anybody's ideas down. Obviously, she wouldn't because she's classy like that. <laughs> um, yeah, she just kind of gave everybody. Uh, a direction like in which to focus she gave us a challenge like we had I don't know 20 minutes or something like that to write four blackout sketches she was like get out of your head put it on the paper we'll perform them then I'll give you feedback and that was it was really nice actually um because she ran it really like a writer's room sort of thing so everybody Mm -hmm. just bounced ideas or pitches off of each other and gave each other feedback and a lot of uh really cool things stemmed out of that but it was neat to have a very experienced person there as our fearless leader, you know? Let's talk about your theatrical experience yeah. as an actor. Um, do you have like specific roles that you've played in the past that have really like made you pleased and like happy with yourself? Oh, yeah. Like, that's a weird way of saying that. That is. But... <laughs> <laughs> what, what have been your favorite roles that you've done in the favorite past? Favorite roles? Um, I guess my ultimate favorite was uh, a play called the spiral dive trilogy. And it was, it's, it's a world war two epic. Um, 
written by a local playwright here, Ken Brown. He's done, oh, he's done so much. He's had work produced. He's a brilliant writer. Um, and he wrote a three-part series just about a Spitfire pirate. Uh, pirates, not pirates. Pilots. <laughs> That's hard to say. Spitfighter pilots in World War Two. Um, and there were three of us originally cast in it. Uh, we toured it for about five years, and I got to play uh, over 75 different characters in that show. Oh, so that was probably goodness. my favorite role. Um, a tortured, like, Jewish captive, uh, the girl waiting back home, um, a French-Canadian pilot called Gautier. He was, like, the comic relief. That was really fun because I was playing a man was the comic relief Mm. so that I mean that was interesting right like it's it's I think in a play it's hard to be funny anyways like it's more challenging than being dramatic yeah and so to do that and also play a man was really cool yeah especially when like the rest of the subject material might be a little more dramatic being the comic relief like I mean, I'm sure there are there are like tricks and tips that you would go through, like anything, and that like like I don't want to be reductive, but it feels like, especially as a stage production, like resorting to like old school mugging or physicality. There's definitely some physicality involved. Like there has to be because obviously I'm a girl. I hope it's obvious. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was some physicality, but yeah, there. And then when you're playing that many other characters as well, like you, you can't really resort to mugging. You know, you have to just kind of mm. delve in and figure out what's funny about this character and like what about their human condition is funny. And that's kind of why I like sketch comedy as well, because you're just like commenting on uh, the human condition and making it relatable in a way that people can feel okay with you know yeah boiling down some human trait into like to as succinct yeah and concise moment as possible like yeah totally um i always ask and whenever people have like theoretical experience as well i always ask is there a role that you want to play like is what's your like bucket list oh my god role yes okay so if you had asked 14 year old kaylee it would have been christine from phantom of the opera okay uh, that was like the first thing I listened to ever that I think kind of turned me on to theater. Um, and then do you know the playwright Sarah Rule? I'm no, no? <laughs> I'm, not, okay. I'm not a huge <laughs> theater person. Outside That's okay. of... She's great. She's a heartbreaking writer and I would love to play. Um... Oh, well, now that you ask me, I totally forget the name. Of... <laughs> Uh, what's that story? The Odyssey. The Iliad, Odyssey. The no, the Odyssey. Euripides. Your dice. Your Eurydice. Eurydice. Oh, yes, that's... I would love to play Eurydice. Okay. Um, by Sarah Rule. There we go. Thanks for helping me out with that. <laughs> yeah. Just a quick Google. That's what I was trying to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> we Google raced it. Uh, yeah, I've never heard. I don't think I've ever heard of any of these. 
but it's um, it's like the um the Orpheus Eurydice story told mm-hmm. um from the perspective of Eurydice, and she's it's, oh cool yeah it's just really really neat and like why she calls out his name at the end of it and makes him look back and then he can't take her he can't take her away from the underworld and like why she chooses to stay it's a great role it's a heartbreaking role it's not comedic at all but the play is just so beautifully written i'd love to do that one nice yeah okay so with girl brain Mm -hmm. uh it's a trio Mm -hmm. how what is the collaboration process like you write i'm I'm assuming with a monthly show it's new material every month yeah it is Roughly, yeah. uh, I think maybe some only, carryover. We've only ever reused two sketches in the ten episodes that we've done. Oh, there's see, there's a part of it that says like, it's fine to rerun things. Like, maybe not do the full show again, but like you know, keep things. There, yeah, well, you just, know, and that's like, just me as a writer thinking like, oh, I don't want to write an entirely new show every. Let's pepper in, you know, but I don't know. It's a fun challenge write a new show mm. every month and we kind of um they're themed and so uh we have one well we have one coming up this weekend and it'll be galentine's okay and so it's a neat challenge to write on a theme sure. absolutely well. um so what is the the process for the three of you to do the show it's pretty much like just everybody go away write your scenes I think we all have um, specific scenes that we like to write. Like I, I'll do the weeping badge. Um, Ellie has one where she personifies anxiety and depression. Okay. And so they pay a girl a monthly visit. Uh, you know, based on whatever theme we've chosen. So she likes to write that one. Okay. So we all have like, yeah, we all have a few staple scenes that we like to write. Um, and then. Other than that, it's like, I don't know, go away, find a coffee shop, write your scene, pop it into the Google Drive, <laughs> <laughs> read it later. It's a really uninteresting process. Uh, but then we meet up and rehearse. Uh, read read over the scenes, like, you know, make suggestions on how they can be improved. Yeah. Uh, a lot of scenes stem from, like I've said before, just us sitting around and talking. We have a scene right now. It Like, it's not even scripted. It was literally us sitting around at rehearsal talking about something. And we went, man, this this is a scene. Let's just pop it in our show. <laughs> so that's how that was created. <laughs> and we were reading it for, uh, we have a guest girl brain every month. Okay. So it's like an emerging uh, female artist. It, or established um we've had musicians stand-up comics um who else like instagram characters i guess Mm -hmm. we'd call it so we invite those people under our show to like give them exposure as well um and so we were reading that scene that we didn't well reading i say this in quotes and she was like this are you guys just talking right now or is this a scene? We were like, yeah, no, we were just talking 40 minutes ago and now it's a scene. So I guess that's a large part of our process. And from the other people I've talked to in Edmonton, I, you know, I've had Robin from uh, success 5,000 and oh, he's great. Uh, the Marvin Berry 
yeah like a good chunk of them um like i never it never occurred to me and i i have harped on this a couple times that Mm -hmm. there is such a thriving art scene in edmonton there is it's great for art people seem shocked when i tell them that but it's not i'm always like and I, i say it all the time like i've said it multiple times like when I looked at the map and I saw how far north, oh yeah, Edmonton is in general. Like I was just like, oh wow, tundra. Like, what else is there to do there? Like, well, yeah, and that's that's kind of what I think drives a lot of the uh, a lot of the arts here is because our winters are eight to nine months long. Yeah, you have to go inside and do something inside. You don't have and, to, but it's preferable. But like, it's, <laughs> it's definitely more enjoyable. For your health, it's better to go inside. and. Yeah, you're correct. Um, yeah, and like, there's just, I mean, the winter would be, I think, very depressing if you weren't creating <laughs> something. Sure. It would either be very depressing or very drunk if you weren't creating something. And then, like, we have a huge Fringe Festival here. Mm-hmm. We're, like, Festival City, right? And so then it's just neat to showcase it all in the summer, right? You've got three months to do it, so <laughs> do it. Because, like, I made the joke that, like, the only thing I knew about Edmonton as a kid growing up is that there was a hockey team. The Oilers, yes. The, that was the extent of what I knew. And because <laughs> they were called the Oilers, I assumed that there was some kind of oil involved. In Edmonton as well. There is an oil industry here in a very <laughs> controversial oil industry here in Alberta, yes. And that was the extent of my knowledge of Edmonton. Um, there's much more. It's a, it's a great, yeah, it's a great, it's got a great cultural scene. Like, not even just theater, right? There's uh, museums there's like a street full of galleries it's just great it's got a great art scene and nobody believes me when i tell them that and i think um the first time i watched like one of the sctv documentaries or something they talked about uh for one of their seasons they actually went to edmonton basically to hide and do the production there so that they wouldn't be distracted by that's hilarious other things so like i think like season two or season three of SCTV was shot in Edmonton instead of Toronto yeah. or wherever they no, they did shoot there. That's so funny that they went to um, hide. Well, which I mean, even then I was just like, why would you go to Edmonton? Why wouldn't um, you come to Edmonton? That's my question. It's very North on a map. It, you just assume it's cold all the time. Like not all the time. Right now, you're so, you, you have three months. You said, uh, "You come to Edmonton for the for the arts and the festivals, and for the nice people. The people here are so nice. I've never met nicer people in the world." But there's nice people all over Canada. But they're ridiculously nice here, <laughs> and it's such a small like it's. I call it like the the biggest small town I've ever lived in because it is technically a city, but Mm. man, you have a hard time walking down the street without recognizing somebody, Hmm. which is another Uh, cool quality about Edmonton on the subject. (laughs) 
a female group, female trio, girl brain, do you find that you're coming primarily to a female audience? You know, here's the great thing about girl brain is that, yeah, obviously when we started writing stuff, we were like, girls are going to get this and love this. But the super cool thing that I've noticed is that there are like middle-aged men that come to our shows every month and they're like, I, I love what you have to say. It's so funny. And I've been there. I get that. So everything's been super uh, relatable to, thanks to a number of different audiences. Like, like gender non-binary audience audiences. Uh, like I said, the middle-aged men, we have people that work on the oil <laughs> rigs that come to our shows. They're like, this is so, this is so fun. It's, it just reached out to a wealth of different people, which is super cool. And I think, I don't know, we just like tapped into something and everybody likes it. Uh, so Girl Brain's heading to Toronto for Sketchfest. Yes, we are. Are you doing like a best of your past year of shows or are you creating a new show for Toronto? You know, this is where we're cheating. We're doing a best of. It's, it's not cheating. Like, don't, don't think about it that way. Like, when you go to a festival like that, you definitely have to put your best foot forward. Yeah, and that's kind of what we were thinking too. We were like, we have... Oh, wealth of sketches that we can choose from um yeah so we might as well just like pick the best ones that we've performed before that have like really gone over well with crowds and uh yeah like you said put your best foot forward yeah it's not cheating it's do your greatest hits like especially since it's an audience that has never seen you Mm -hmm. yeah so we picked stuff that like i think really represented us and Mm -hmm. what we're all about you know so anybody uh, will Everybody in the audience who hasn't seen us before because they're not from Edmonton will kind of get like a really good sense of uh, our style, you know, and like, yeah, and what we do and what we hope to project. And you have Galentine's coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. So clearly that's going to be like a Valentine's Day send it's up. It's more of a Galentine's Day. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, ah, what's it like for a single lady on on Valentine's? Okay, so... Yeah, yeah. So we have like that theme. Um, we've got a really cool sketch that Allison wrote. I love it. It's my favorite one to do right now. And it's uh, two friends competing over their one friend. Nice. You know, like, oh, I went for brunch with Stacy. Oh, well, we're starting a yoga class. Well, we're doing <laughs> this, you know. You know, when you get jealous over a friend. Absolutely. Over a girlfriend specifically and not you know, like not just a boyfriend, not just a boy. So we have, yeah, we have stuff like that. It's going to be uh, really fun. Very cool. Um, so. It's all about self-love a little bit. <laughs> uh, I asked, I forgot to ask this earlier. I asked everybody. Um, Saturday Night Live is such a huge like bastion of the sketch comedy world. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Would I be totally cliche if I said Gilda Radner? Uh, you would not. I love her. Um, I no, no, that's not cliche her. at all. Yeah, she's so great. I guess I like old school comedy. Because if you mm-hmm. ask me about anybody modern, I'd be like, I could maybe say these couple people. 
Um, so, I mean, that's just like testament to how new I am in this world, I guess. Sure. Uh, so I've got like, I've personally, I've got my work cut out for me to, <clears throat> you know, keep up. Uh, there's, there's so much that you're getting like, Oh yeah. There's so much to see that like, even as a, like someone who loves comedy so much, like there's still so much I haven't yeah, totally. dug into. So, but I, I think I like her cause she, yeah, she was like one of the original, uh, female comics. And I hate to kind of phrase it like that. Cause it's just like, she's just a person doing her job. It's like no different than a waiter or a waitress or anything. When it comes to yeah. Comedy and yeah, but she's, yeah, she's been a go-to for mine. But but she still was the first person hired for Saturday yeah, Live. I know, which is so incredible. And she was so hilarious. The thing where she just, like we were saying before, she just made herself ridiculous. Which is hard to do, but very smart. Did you see the documentary that they did of her last year? Oh my god, yes. Uh, Love Gilda? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, I loved that. And I loved Gilda. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that documentary is so sad so sad. at points like yeah like the like and I, i'm not fully aware like i haven't seen everything from the first couple seasons of saturday Night live for sure mm-hmm. um but i knew i didn't know that her and gene wilder were an item i didn't until, know that documentary either okay yeah. I, well, I i knew it because of his biography and it blew my mind. I wasn't expecting that at all. Like, Very and then the fact that like, like, it's just so, so sweet. Like, we love Gene Wilder. And you love Gilda Ratner. Yeah. And they love each other. Yeah. Like, well, that's a beautiful part about it. I know. Like, like this, like possible, like super duo that probably could have made so many cool movies if she hadn't gotten sick. Like. Oh, I know. Like, I, that just seems so, like, it's so, so heartbreaking. And I think, like, he even stops doing stuff after she's, like, he definitely, like, slows down after she's gone. Like, yeah. I don't know. No, so it's sad. Well, I mean, comedy stems from tragedy often. So I guess it makes sense in that realm. Hmm. Yeah. Gil's great. <laughs> Girl Brain's been around for about a year. We're about we're coming we're up, coming on, the up year. on the year. Yeah. Um. So, relatively new to sketch comedy, but you've put in a lot of work. It sounds like. I mean, a new hour every month is so much material and so much like. Uh, so I'd ask, what's something that you've learned from doing sketch comedy versus other forms of theater? that you would pass on to a new performer or a new writer to comedy? Oh gosh. Uh, just write everything down. Just, I guess I'm speaking more from like a perspective of a new writer, especially a new writer in comedy, but just mm. write everything down and be super open like be super uh, observant, you know, just look at what's going on around you every single day. And I guarantee that there's going to be something funny there or something that you want to comment on 
So just, mm-hmm. yeah, consider those things. Be super open to what's going on. Like, yeah, what's going on around you. And uh, pick a point of view and pick a stance. And then write from that because that will, that'll totally inform your, uh, your style of writing and the kind of comedy that you want to uh, put forth into the world. And then, uh, so coming from the world of theater and then walking into the world of sketch comedy with girl brain last year, why is comedy your outlet these days? Because there, there's so much material and it's so uh, accessible and I love performing every month and I love making people laugh. I love making people laugh and just have a good time and, uh, and feel something really. And I mean, that was kind of the same thing with theater, you know, like I loved to give people an escape. Often the plays I was cast in, it wasn't a happy escape. You know, like for some reason they like they like me to play sad characters. Um, mm. So this is a great way of providing people, uh, especially in the dead of winter, with something like really fun to look forward to. And yeah, and I love laughing myself. So it just it seems to make sense. Nice. Do you find a difference when you're performing in a more dramatic piece? Like, I w- I'm always curious. Like, with comedy, you know when something's working because there's an audible response. Oh, like, and I love that. People laughing. Like, is... That's the best feeling in the world. It's so close to, like, involuntary human response. But when you're doing something dramatic, like, is do you get a sense that you're doing well, like, in that show when you're doing a dramatic piece? Like, Yeah, I, I mean, it's just reading the audience, right? Like, you can you can tell... You can tell if you're doing well. You can tell if the people aren't buying in at all. Mm. It's easier to tell with comedy because they're going right. to okay. yeah. pee themselves laughing at your joke or they're going to be like, what? And you're just going to know if it landed or not. <laughs> <laughs> or even if like, especially with comedy, like when things land differently than you expect. Oh my gosh. I love those. Like where you're expecting. Okay, that's another reason I love comedy, is because it it I think that there's more uh, freedom in there. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I mean, especially if you're writing your own stuff, there's just more freedom to like play around, and uh, those unexpected moments are one of my favorite things in life. Yeah, and it it could be like another performer on stage, like doing something that just came to them in the moment or it could be the audience laughing at something that you didn't expect to be funny and for some reason it is to them and yeah it's just all the little surprises that come along with comedy you know yeah Yeah. absolutely comedy's awesome i i'm not gonna argue that at all good (laughs) (laughs) thanks kaylee hey no problem josh thanks for having me on You can like and follow Girl Brain on Facebook at facebook.com slash girlbrain and on Instagram at girlbrainyeg.
if I understand correctly, YEG is the airport code of Edmonton. If you're in Edmonton, you can see their Galentine show this weekend, Friday, February 15th and Saturday, February 16th at the Grindstone Theater. Grindstonetheater.ca. That's uh, the T-R-E at the end of theater for more information. They're also doing a fundraiser show at the Rec Room South Edmonton on February 21st. Check out their Facebook for more information on that. And then they're heading to Toronto for Toronto Sketchfest. They're performing with Philly favorites John and Ian have something to tell you on March 8th and Good Morning Apocalypse on March 9th. Follow Toronto Sketchfest for more information on those shows. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.